Oh, Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love, and all WXYZ. All right, moving on. <laughs> I've never heard, okay, I've heard a lot of rushed Canadian anthems through the years every time they play in the States, but that one takes the cake for botched lyrics and rushed and just like, all right, instead listen, of going I- up on notes, going down just to not hurt her voice to save it for the American anthem. That's something I've, I've never seen. I've heard of point shaving on like games and stuff, but there was some dirty shit going on for that anthem. Like someone bet so heavy on the under. That's <laughs> the only explanation for it, right? Like someone made a fortune off that tonight. I didn't even think of that angle. Damn, <laughs> that could be too. Uh, Ilya Sorokin. Tim Donahue club, shout out on anthems. Uh, so Ilya Sorokin fan club on Twitter um, who's obviously a Islanders fan commented that they even screwed up the American national anthem last week the same singer so um, it's not even like it's not even like a a strictly Canadian bias you just can't get the anthems right apparently but man that was Twitter was like you you really you're still on that eh? you think there was money behind this (laughs) Hey, uh, you never know. There's a happy bookie out there somewhere. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so the story of the night otherwise was JT sitting at 998 looking for that thousand in the island, which would just be fantastic. And of course, he managed to pull that off. The amount of um, uh, signs and booing. And uh, I saw one person with a jersey. I retweeted it. It says uh, Trader. It's like a Tavares, but they put Trader over it. Get over it, guys. I don't get the vitriol. Like, this was how many years ago? He was a cornerstone in your franchise. He didn't demand a trade or anything. He just left on free agency to the place where he actually grew up. Like, I get it for a year or two, maybe three. But for this long, and when the guy hits a thousand points in your building, maybe just clap a little bit. Yeah, shout out to the actual Islanders on the bench who are giving him stick taps. But <laughs> oh my god, it's he's on year six now of his seven year yeah. contract. That's insane, guys. Get over it. Like players leave all the time, and captains leave, and like, uh, like you said, it, it wasn't a trade. It wasn't like he ran out of town. You know, like we've seen Alfredson and Sundin finish their careers on other teams and like yeah, that's a little different, you know, when you play 18 seasons with a team, but like yeah. it's not like JT was there for three quarters of his career, like but even then know. like those it's, guys are welcome back. Like it's the Islanders just have nothing else to cheer for. And if they don't have something to cheer for, then they might as well find a villain because that's where they're pushing all of their energy into. Uh, and it's gross. Nonetheless, he hit the 1k in the best building in the entire league to do it. I was surprised to see he's the sixth player, at least on the list they showed. Um, people that have scored their thousandth point in their old team's arena or against the oh, old really? team. Yeah, uh, Marion Gabbard. I'm trying to think if six it. sounds high or low. Because to me, like, people have actually hit a thousand. Yeah. To hit it in the building you were drafted in? How many players have hit a thousand? How many players have 1,000 points NHL. Um, 97 before tonight. So that's kind of crazy. Like 6% yeah. of them were scored against their former team. And that's like that one point. That's crazy, yeah. actually. 
and a cup i think one was 2014 i can't remember the names off the top of my head i know gabrick was one mm-hmm. but 2014 2008 2004 were the last few so it's like all recently too interesting anyway, stats his dad was stats incredibly happy about it that's cool that it was a dad's trip and he got to see that that too totally forgot yeah having his dad in the crowd that's uh that's got to be awesome and i'm i'm trying to think for Tavares. does it feel better to to do it in toronto or to do it on the island like i think i don't think he's it would the kind have of guy that relishes tonight. in it if they won tonight i think it would have been better than if he did it in toronto that would have been true. like the king daddy but other than that i think probably in toronto would have been more mm-hmm. ideal yeah, he doesn't seem like the guy who would like to rub it in, you know, like how uh, Castle brings the cup to Toronto. Like, <laughs> he's somebody that would, you know, want to do it in front of friends and family more yeah. so than in front of a bunch of people booing him. It was nice to see him. Yeah. He had like one moment God. on the bench afterwards where he had just like a huge smile, which he never really, really does. Right. Okay. That was what. Thank you for reminding me. That was one of my favorite things because it was like they caught him smiling, and then as soon as he realized that the camera was on him again, <laughs> did you see him just go, mm. Mm. Just mean <laughs> face? Like I'm not supposed to do this. Yeah. It was it's like somebody the first time he's ever smiled in years. Like, John, you're on camera, and he went, "What? You're on camera? Oh, oh, oh mm. shit! <laughs> <laughs> Can't show emotion. It's like it almost." humanized him a bit that he's like not playing a character but there is an on and off ice John Tavares and we don't usually see that off ice him unless you really follow like the the videos and stuff behind the scenes but you know once the game starts he's usually in uh, in he's game mode. He's like a professional's professional he does not let anything get to him you're right he's like deadpan so the fact that he actually did that and then caught himself doing it is so funny. Yeah, that was great. All right, let's uh, start it. Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Rodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. All righty. So um, we missed the Nashville game. A lot of us had stuff going on. It's Christmas party season. Uh, so the Leafs came out with a 4 nothing win over Luke Shen and uh, Ryan O'Reilly, which is awesome. And uh, Yarn Croak, I believe, scored against his old team, which is cool. I think he got yeah. one on that one. Uh, Marner with, with a... Yeah, Camp scored. Marner with a nice breakaway goal. And um, Samsonov posting a shutout, which is uh, kind of the biggest story of that one. And really the coming over to tonight it's like we saw all of Ilya Samsonov in two back-to-back games the highs and the lows because I mean really not that he let in six or seven goals tonight but a couple of those you you definitely want back if you're trying to stay in it especially when you're so crippled on D I mean they've got three guys that really shouldn't be in the lineup in there right now yeah um and you're down to uh a uh, underconfident backup goalie we'll call it so it, for him i i was hoping that the the shutout against nashville would boost him up a bit especially after dealing with an illness and missing so much time but mm-hmm. yeah like i said there were a couple of those you want back tonight it was like just the confidence level that i found with him he especially early in the game he was sliding post to post so much he had a really hard time tracking pucks he was late to reacting on pucks 
So it wasn't even more like a story of one game to the other. Even in this game, like he he had great spurts, but he also had really, really shaky moments too. And you can tell like the team was just not confident playing in front of him. Yeah, and again, it, even with the team, it's strange coming off the Nashville game where they kept them to 18 shots. I know Nashville's kind of a different team, but in terms of their play style, it's fairly similar to how the Islanders play. They throw a ton of hits. There's a few guys that can score, and otherwise it's a shutdown team with a really good goalie. So, uh, I mean, to put it pretty simply, but it's strange that they were playing such a, a shot-limiting shutdown game against Nashville, and then they couldn't carry that over. Like, they didn't try to run that same strategy back tonight against the Islanders, or the Islanders read through it, the game notes and were able to break it, but... Like they've let so many shots get through to Sammy. And yeah, it, again, it's weird. The confidence wasn't there after a shutout. And it's weird that the team kind of broke from that uh, pattern that they started. It was a weird thing because like they started the game pretty good. The first eight minutes, I found they were strong. They kept all the Islanders at chances from outside along the boards, going around the half circle. But after that, like, especially I found the wingers from the center ice line to the top of the circle inside. They just let everybody get by. They lost every puck battle there. They had the cycle game going and it just like they just hemmed them in and they kept getting shots and shots. And I couldn't understand what the wingers were doing because and especially Bertuzzi. God, this guy's driving me fucking crazy right now. It seems like he's got cement in his skates. He's always losing his guy. And whether it's like resulting in a goal or not, it's just another chance. Yeah. And really, the, the consensus online tonight was that uh, the Leafs were getting bullied pretty early, like. Once they were able to, like you said, there was a few spurts where everyone seemed like they were on, but otherwise, like they uh, they couldn't get anything going. They were getting pushed around, um, and it's strange. Like with Bertuzzi, this is somebody who's who's supposed to be a bully and try to protect guys from this happening. And you know, again, we're seeing him kind of fall into, I guess, the Leaf system instead of the Leafs adjusting to him. And that was what some of the worry was: is how many people does it take to to change the culture? It is, but like he's a speedy guy, and he's just always losing his wingers. As soon as they start circling around the ice, his his feet aren't moving, and they they lose him. So the center tries to pick him up, and then he goes for the center spot, and they're all out of position. It's a huge, huge problem I find, and I've been noticing that like more than any other player is him because you expect more from this guy, right? In the offensive zone, he hasn't been quite doing it, and in the defensive zone, like you said, he's supposed to be a pest. He's not a very big guy, but like he's he's got some strength to him, and he's just not playing with that whatsoever. Yeah, and those are the two elements we brought him in for is being a pain in the ass who can score and he's doing neither of them. So it's yeah. uh, kind of still the waiting game. Like we we hope by now he'd figure it out, but we're like 23, 24 games in and we're still like, Bertuzzi, what you doing, bud? And we've switched yeah, the lines now. Like who, who's he playing with now? He's got, it's him and uh, Robertson and Tavares, I think was the, the second line. Like that. Which is a weird line, yeah strange you just expect so much more from like even in one end or the other you're just not getting in either right now though yeah um otherwise tonight matthew's hitting a couple posts they uh, did a count he was amazing up to up to 21 posts and crossbars i think he's hit and no I that's think not that... true whatsoever apparently it was eight they were just way way um overestimating <laughs> how many posts he actually hit Oh, so Lord. I think with tonight it might be like 10 or so, but he actually came to play. Like he was driving play. He was stopping pucks in the D zone. He was in proper position. He was by far their best player. Yeah. And one thing I've been giving them shit for a lot this uh, season is not connecting passes, not communicating well. And it seemed like yeah. between him and Tavares and Marner and Willie, they were all um, making most Martin, of their passes. Willie. I thought Marner played yeah. a brutal game tonight. 
zero shots yeah. on goal. He was, I barely noticed him at all. I did a few, I mean, to be fair, I was uh, cooking and cleaning at some points of this game, but I did see that there was a couple little plays in front of the net that he was involved in. I don't know. It's, eh, yeah, sure. We'll leave him <laughs> out of it. But it seemed like there was a little more communication going on with, with passes and, um, Matthew's taking more shots, which was nice. I could, yeah. you know what? Now that I think of it, there was one time where Mitch had that breakaway and he held up and passed it back to Bertuzzi instead of taking a shot. And I was so fucking that mad. That was right to be in the game too. Yeah, uh, Bertuzzi actually drew a penalty on that, which is a great play by uh, Bertuzzo, I think it was. He probably saved a goal there, but yeah. he, he got to shoot on that, right? Yeah, and I mean, look, the Leafs ended up scoring on that power play. But really, when their power play is, what, two for 21? You don't really want to bank on drawing a penalty there instead of taking the shot. So here's another just, thing that's, yeah. that I find like it's indicative of, which I've noticed lately is the Leafs will take, they'll go along the half ice, like along the boards. There's two of them coming There's two defensemen here and they'll just throw it in the middle of the net and it never really works out. That's a play, like a play you make in peewee, bantam, novice type shit. You're doing a smart play because defense don't really know where to play. But in the NHL, this is never working and it usually comes back on their end in a fast rush. Yeah, that's a play I that I would do as a kid so in old Chell games. They it's just a play I would do chuck it to the middle of the net way, way more than they should. Yeah, and when you've got guys that are good at tipping it in, like, great, but they haven't been that great at it this season. I mean, JT's been fantastic as always, but besides that, like, who's, no, who's and like, getting you're in front of right. that and muscling their way there? But if you guys have in front of you and then you like put the puck there that's a different story when you go kind of almost like to the icing line and then dish it back in front you're not going to get that tip like it's just not going to happen it's a higher percentage that's where it bounces back and the automatic rushes start yeah and they've been giving up a lot of those you're right when they try to center that and then cough it up and everyone's out of position and all of a sudden it's yeah. a two-on-one or something there's been a lot of those lately a lot and I mean, really, that's how they ended up losing an OT, but different story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, JT's been good at tipping goals in. Picked one up uh, tonight, which was nice. He did. He was huge in the face-off dot, too. Yeah. As is Matthews. Uh, amongst, amongst the reign of booze. Actually, I, saw, I think <laughs> JT's among the top in the league right now for, uh, for face-offs. Because I know he started uh, like, off a little shaky, but... He's he did, uh, but like late in the end of this game, he was winning almost every draw, which eventually led to the six-second left goal. Let me check. I want to see here, skaters. I'm pretty sure he's like in the top few percentage face-off wins of people that have not, you know, taken multiple. He but... usually is. Let me check here. Tavares. Is 39th in the entire league with a 62%. So, I mean, really, that's got to be as far as with guys that take face like offs taken, though, right? Yeah, that's the thing is the NHL site is so awesome. It doesn't tell you how many face offs they take. <laughs> I'd have to go to a different site, even though I always get shit on for choosing shitty sites. Can I see it on this one? I mean, one? like, if you're going to the top percentage of, you know, one to three centermen on each team, he's way, way up there, probably. Yeah, okay, here. If we're going... I know this. Oh, here, he's number three. Yeah, that makes way more sense. Vincent Trocek and uh, Michael McLeod are the only ones ahead of him. McLeod's only ahead by, like, a half a percentage, and Trocek really? by, like, one. 
So yeah, 63.6, 62.9, and 62.1. That's a huge yeah. number. Yeah. And he's uh, 213 face-offs, 131 last. Anyway, tangent, but JT is uh, absolutely a fucking demon in the face-off dot this year, and that's uh, that's helpful when, you know, the game's on the line and you have to take an offensive zone face-off and the goalie's pulled and your team basically depends on playing clutch. <laughs> it's kind 100%. of important. But let's and throw he's David Camp for us lately. Like, I thought he played a pretty good uh, game tonight, too. Yeah, and like I said, it's not like somebody he's somebody who's affected by um, fans booing him, but just mm-hmm. the the mental aspect of that aside, it's just distracting audio wise to have people booing every time you touch the puck. Like, like even if it had no emotional effect on you, it's like, this is just irritating. Like I have to actively tune this out every time to pay attention to the game. Like that's going to get frustrating. So kudos to him for uh, still playing a stellar game in his old barn. Well, not his old barn. He never played there, but you know, yeah, we get what you're saying. I'm trying to think of the last guy who got that type of treatment for so long. I feel like Chara would, got it pretty bad in Ottawa for a while. I would say Alfredson in Toronto got it pretty bad for a long time, like after it was necessary, but different scenario, but, I guess, like not playing yeah. for your old team. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's true. Because after that Sundin stick breaking thing and he mocked it, they were <laughs> ripping on Alfredson for years. Yeah, he was hated for a long time. Yeah. I remember the raps were putting his picture up uh, on the jumbo, trying to get people to boo when other teams were up for free throws. <laughs> yeah, classic. Well, the now things we do you in could Toronto. Put a hockey reference up at a basketball game and expect NBA fans to know what you're talking about. No, those days are gone. Yeah, long gone. Well, um, so the Leafs managed to tie it up. Morgan Riley with a beautiful little tip in there at the end. Um, all for not, unfortunately, with a uh, very quick OT loss. Eh. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. On that OT Matthews? goal, like you, you kind of want to see Morgan take away the pass and just let Sammy take that shot, right? Because he's not going to stop that cross-eye sauce as it as it was. But at least give him a chance. Like, just save the shot. And I don't feel like Morgan played it super well. But whatever. We got a point. We got 11 what, 11 straight games with points, I think, now? 11 of 12, they said. But, um, yeah, I mean, behind first-round playoff exits, not starting on time, um, I don't know what else we're known for. But I would say, oh, uh, too many men on the ice penalties. I would say one that oh, doesn't yeah. get enough doesn't get enough credit is um, is that, uh, wow, I actually just lost my train of thought completely as I was making up my, <laughs> my intro to it. But when they... Um, holy shit, what were you saying about the OT? Oh, just how Morgan should have played the pass instead of. Oh yeah, they're they're so bad. Let the shot happen. The the Leafs are fucking horrible at screening their own goalies. Like it's something that they don't get enough credit for. Like Jake Muzzin was one of the best at standing in between the shot and the goalie and letting it go in. Like underrated for how like a great defenseman, but oh my god, if he's not actually on the person, he's in between them and the goalie every time. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Leafs are always bad at that, so I'm not surprised that happened because they either have a goalie that they don't have confidence in in net. That's or, exactly it. Yeah, they're because if Joseph Wall is in net there, I think he takes that pass away hundred times out of a hundred. He doesn't even care about the shot. He lets 
wall handle it. Well, look, in the Nashville game, you think they took 18 shots on goal to have 18 yeah. shots? Like, no, they were blocking a shit ton from getting to uh, to Sammy yeah. to get, help him get that shutout. And that's, you know, that's the game they were trying to play again, but it doesn't always work. So here we are. He's got uh, a But yeah, Matthews, Matthews has been back on, you know, 19 goals and counting. Love to see it. Tied um, for number one in the league, I think. Yeah, with Cooch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's good to see, you know, once Willie you know, starts to fall off a little bit. I think that break with the week in the, on either end of the Sweden game kind of cooled him off. But yeah. uh, it's nice. It's nice that during that time, Matthews gets to rest and come back hot. And uh, he's been good ever since they've been back. So, you know, let's just pass it off to whoever uh, whoever's feeling it at the time. Exactly. Like He's been dangerous and he hasn't been scored in huge bunches either, which is. An encouraging sign for Leafs fans because once he actually starts putting the games together, it's gonna be ridiculous. And like, heaven forbid, all the like Leafs core four actually play good at the same time. That'll be another big thing. Like, like the point that we're collecting points right now is huge. Yeah, the only thing with the points in eleven of twelve games is like, if you lose games in overtime, you can get points in twelve of twelve games, but it can be six points, which is like winning six of or whatever, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, That's true, or but they have been winning overtime points. games, right? Yeah, I'm just, it's just a misleading thing sometimes to say they have points in 11 of 12 games. It is, like, yeah, okay, it is. But, you know, if they're losing a bunch in overtime, they have half the points they could have had in that amount of games, so. A thousand I, um, percent. If you're losing every overtime game, it's a big difference compared to if you're winning every overtime game. Yeah, so what are they actually in their last 10? Be curious um, to find out. Bah, 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 standings. Oh my gosh. Why is it getting harder and harder to like get NHL stats? I don't know. I feel like we NHL should just blame Batman. Yeah, it's funny. The Google thing that pops up is the best one at this point. There's six, one, and three. <laughs> In their last 10. So they, I mean, three overtime losses isn't bad, but there is no other no. team. Oh, only the Penguins who are on a fucking shit streak. They're on a deep slide right now. Oh, the Golden Knights have lost three in OT in their last 10. But you get my point. Oh, have they? Yeah. 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 yeah well, the point's yeah. well read. Yeah. yeah. Um, Panthers and Bruins still ahead of the Leafs in the uh, the Atlantic Division. They managed to pass the um, Detroit Red Wings here by a single point with their OT loss tonight, which is nice. Yeah, um, looks like the Red Wings are they're about to lose too. So, oh, that'll be a three game losing streak for them. So that's good for the Leafs. Yeah. Um, Lightning Canadians, Sabers and Senators being under the Canadians and Red Wings in the standings is mind-boggling to me it's insane <laughs> i thought those two were going to put it together this year and challenge for a wild card spot finally and detroit nope. and montreal went Nah, we're gonna get that we're gonna go for it instead <laughs> yeah pretty wild okay so um some quick things came out during the game here uh we had david perron getting a six game suspension for his two-handed cross check to the face of uh, i forget who it was um after we saw dylan larkin go down in a very scary way um if you haven't seen it but um you can go and check that out 
Larkin gets hit and he's unconscious on the ice. It's one of those terrifying moments. Yeah. And the way that I see it is in that moment, it doesn't matter what team you're on. Like everybody around him is like, oh, fuck. Like for I mean, for the at the start, people are jumping on each other. No, I'm, I'm remembering this wrong. So it starts off that everybody's looking and then this two handed cross check happens. Then the fights break out. So if you're standing yeah. over and being like, oh, fuck, is this guy okay? And somebody comes out of nowhere and smashes your face with a stick. Yeah, that's kind of a dirty play. Um, I get it's his client, but Alan Walsh, who's been like a, we need to protect players from CTE and yada, yada, coming out on Twitter and being hard. like, like vehemently being like, we're going to appeal this basically. Like this is bullshit. Um, yeah. It's it's a not a good. I don't know. I usually like Walsh's takes on things, but that was a bad luck for him. I think this was a pretty dirty one. Like six games might be a lot, but what we've seen this year is they're handing out a couple more games than they have in the last few seasons to try to make a point. And like they've said, you know, they're they really want to take these headshots out of the game. And uh, look, Perron might be the uh, the poster boy for it now. Like if this is what they're going to do. You know, like if that's what it takes, and that's what it takes, because I feel the refing has been, to put it mildly, like inconsistent, especially like the whole Gabranson and Cousin thing that happened last game too. If they're policing this more during the game, maybe we don't have this as much. But yeah, six games doesn't. It seems about right. But like the whole Alan Walsh thing, like he, like you said, he came out pretty hard for his client there, a little bit too hard, to the point where you're like, put on the Jets. He's that weird balance between he's an agent, so he's always going to protect his own guys. Like, remember the the flurry with the sword in his back thing? That was Alan Walsh. Yes. Uh, then um, on the other side, he's a great advocate for the players as a whole and for um, he is. having progressive ideas for rule changes in the league. So it's like this strange position he's in where he would be a great commissioner, but he's also a fantastic agent. So he's like, I feel like his so takes he, are on a lot more than they're not. But when they're not, you're just like, come on, buddy, you're better than this. Like your track record shows yeah remember what you've argued before before you stick up for your clients like you know the minute the suspension gets handed out like it was within 10 minutes that that was posted it's like guy take a the breath check's still coming through don't worry about it like you're good yeah speaking of i did the math um if it's their salary divided by 82 games and then multiplied by six for six game suspension mm-hmm. uh that's like 350 grand for david braun that's a ton in nhl money that's the not a small amount for anybody. No, like whether you're a professional athlete or not, like 350 G's, you're like, oh, that hurt the pocket. Like if you're Here's making a little pre segue, like you're no fucking Shohei Atani at this point, but the, the, those 350 sheets, you feel that. Yeah, uh, but you did mention the good Branson one that I was surprised about. So this one, yeah, if you didn't see it, good Branson basically grabs cousins from behind, well, beside kind of in like a choke slam. Idea. From the side, wraps his arm around his neck, throws him to the ice, and just starts like... It's funny. I just watched the Batman the other night, but you know in that opening scene with all the, the thugs coming at him when he punches oh, that guy down to the yeah. ground and he just keeps punching him? Gabranson <laughs> basically does that. He was the skater there for sure. He gets one game. Literally minutes after they announced the David Perron suspension, they're like, and Gabranson gets one game. And everyone went, wait, what? <laughs> Didn't you just 
set this precedent that you're going to suspend people for these headshots and dirty plays. And it's like, this was fair, equally... he just wanted to beat the shit out of him because he got nailed from behind. And if the refs, like I was talking about earlier, like this had been so inconsistent. If they called that hitting from behind or boarding, whatever, this doesn't happen. So fair. he took it in his own hands and he grabbed them and cousin turtled. He turtled twice that game on him. I guess it's the difference. This between, guy's the uh, biggest piece of shit maybe in the whole league. He's fucking top five for mm-hmm. sure. And he turtles all the time. It's disgusting to see him and Kachuk. I hate them both. God, I hate them. <laughs> oh, I guess it's the difference between assault and assault with a deadly weapon. As far as the league goes, like you hit someone in the face with your stick. Six games. You punch him. Yeah, it's one. But no, you're right. Yeah, but like, he, he was grabbing a bit first before he went down, and then Cousins did the whole of this. And and you're right, like Branson should not be punching his back of his head, his neck, whatever. But if you're playing the way that Cousins is playing, the way that Florida is playing, the way that Paul Maurice is playing, you have to answer the bell sometimes. And they just don't. They're the biggest chicken shit team I've ever fucking seen. That's why it's Part funny. Of my language. Uh, that- that we uh it's fine that's it's funny that they actually seem to kind of judge these scenarios sometimes based on like whether the person had it coming or not because <laughs> like really they could have like i didn't have time to to uh see the lead up to it i was actually gonna ask but you ended up explaining anyway like what caused this in the first place but it um i don't know it seems like they they took into account that you know this there was a build up to this it was um not with the stick it was somebody getting punched and yeah the guy mm-hmm. basically like you said he turtled so yeah, yeah. you got hit one from behind like Cousins like... left his feet doing it what one yeah. one game seems right for everything that transpired in that game he wasn't very hurt he came up he was chirping like crazy after turtling like a coward but uh yeah one game seems seems good Okay, fair. Um, so you mentioned also we'll segue to the Otani thing. Everybody was mad about this when the info came out. Uh, it seems like what happened, as far as we can tell, um, is that the Otani camp leaked that he was on his way to Toronto and that it was imminent to finally get that last offer from the Dodgers, the 700 mil for 10 years. They were holding out on it. And uh, the Jays had an offer on the table that was north of 600 million, apparently. But uh, they wanted the seven and uh, they basically bluffed all the way to the end that he was on his way. So we all got used. Not only the Toronto fans, but the entire Canadian baseball fandom was used as a bargaining chip for somebody who is now going to circumvent the cap for the next decade. I just this is so annoying. Like, okay, listen, I'm not usually one to put on the tinfoil hat. I like try to stay away from these conspiracies. But as you said, this was a devious plot and it worked. The person they had on that plane was another CAA client. This had to have been all planned out. Like the way this went down was so frustrating and not a great look for Toronto sports. Wait. Are you saying Robert Herchevac is under the same agency? He's represented by CAA as, as well, yes. Oh my god. Hey, how about this, Robert? We're going to give you a couple a couple bills here. Go fly down to Toronto on this plane. Don't say shit. We're going to jack up Otani's money like crazy. That's 
actually it's out there like that i like i said i don't usually like to delve in these type of um hearsay or conspiracy shit but it seems a little legit the timing of everything was a little too perfect yeah like oh my god oh it's We're definitely also kind gonna of bearing the lead though the way his contract is structured is insane to any sports league yeah like imagine matthews just said yeah i'll sign 13 point whatever it is but you only will just pay me all of it when my contract's up uh, I'll just take two mil a year. That is literally what Otani did. So if, if anyone didn't see this, he's taking 70 million a year, 46 against the cap, and 68 million a year deferred. So he's making two million a year, and then once his contract's up, they're going to pay him 680 million dollars without interest. I might add. So it's not even <laughs> like he's benefiting in some way from doing this. All he's benefiting from is saying. I don't want to fucking lose again. So I'm making it so you guys have enough money per year to spend on other players to build a proper team, which is not fair. It's the most blatant circumvention of any luxury tax, salary cap, whatever money thing you have going on in your league, like parameters that are set. They're breaking every goddamn rule of it. Well, apparently this isn't against the MLB's rules, which is insane. That's the stupid part. Is like if you have I a luxury that tax right that's before we came on be, here, that's supposed to be for parity and, um, you know, leveling the the playing diamond. But like, look, if you can do this, then what's the point? Like, and I also you... saw the list of of teams paying into this uh, this luxury tax, like. There's teams paying upwards of 100 to 300 million dollars since the last yeah. couple of years just in in luxury tax because they don't give a fuck. So what's the point? Like you're not there's teams that win like 8% of their games every year. Like what do you I don't know, this is so fucking annoying. I wonder like if the Blue Jays contract was actually structured like that too because behind the Mets they are the richest team in the MLB. They've got more money to throw around than the Yankees, everybody else. I think it's like upwards of 17 or 18 billion dollars. So you have to wonder if maybe there's a structure like that too. But even still, I would have been like, what what are we doing here? Like, this is not good for whatever league you're in, right? There's no way that the bottom eight, no, not eight, rather like 28 teams can fucking compete with this. Yeah, exactly. Like the Leafs are in a position where they could do this. There's a lot of hockey teams and basketball teams that if this was available, they would be like, yeah, I'll just pay it all at the end of the contract. Fine. Yeah. Like, sure, we'll pay Matthews like 75 mil at the end of this contract. I don't give a shit. Like, but like, that's that's it's not a thing. You set up a luxury tax, you set up a salary cap, whatever, for these certain rules. So if you start doing this, what what's the point of having it? And the fact that they get um, 46 mil against the luxury tax is such a seems like such an arbitrary number. Who decided that? Yeah. Like what? Yeah, so it's like they they don't get the full sixty eight million off their imaginary cap, which I don't even understand the point. 70. of. It's just it just saves them money basically at the end of the day. So that's the stupid thing is like it doesn't change the team you can put on onto the field like it does in hockey, where like you you can't go over the cap. All it means mm-hmm. is these owners are paying more money and if they're putting a better team on the field and more people are coming to watch, who gives a fuck if it costs you a couple extra mil? Like, yes. Uh, like, like you, you'll find that in the NBA, they have a luxury tax, the exact same thing, but 
circumvent it like that, where the whole money is not counted against it year by year, is it, it's crazy to me. Yeah, I think there's a middle ground here. Like, I'm not saying by any means that a hard cap system is the right way to go, but I think that this is this is just allowing rich teams to put together whatever they want using their money. Like, it's it's literally taking off the barriers of, you know, it, if you're allowing billionaires and these big conglomerate corporation owners to buy teams, then you know you have to take into account that they're going to throw around as much money as they want. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like, I'm not advocating for one system or the other, but I will say this. If your aim is parity, a hard cap is by far the fairest. And what is happening elsewhere is, yeah. Yeah, it is definitely the fairest way to go. I mean, fuck. <laughs> Look at the NHL. I mean, even the, the shitty San Jose Sharks that are still a minus 54 are 5-3-2 and two in their last 10. Look at yeah. that. Like... You know, it's it's never the end of the world in the NHL. You can argue if team. it's better or worse for your game, but at least it's it's fair. Yeah, I'd say there is a, a frustrating element to it. Like, as Leaf fans, you know, your team mm-hmm. is playing really well, and then you go up against Arizona, and they'll beat you 6-2 to two or something. It's like, what just happened? How did the worst team in the league just beat us? Well, the worst team in the league isn't that much worse than your team. They're only a few players away from being there. Like, it seems like every team is a few players away from being as good as the other. So, exactly. They're anything can happen. The same amount of you, so. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like I'm stating the obvious at this point. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, we're back tomorrow night. Who do they play? Is it the Rangers then? Yes. Are we just staying in New York? Oh, fun. Both the two of the best goalies in the fucking league back to back. Does uh, Sammy get the start or do you think it's Jones? Martin Jones against the Rangers? Oof. I probably, to be honest. I think it's Sammy. I think they're gonna try and build his confidence up a little bit and give him another shot. Man, it was so sad seeing him lying on the ice. At the end of the OT there. He just had no chance. Like, it's like shades of Jack. Just, oh, no. No, 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 <laughs> no, please. Don't be sad. Don't be sad. Get up. It's OK. It's OK. Don't I'm not be like Jack. He's probably playing in a beer league somewhere right now. And yeah, oh, poor guy. I honestly hope that he makes his way back up to the NHL. <laughs> I hope so, too. But that's a that's a tough road. Yeah. All right. Thanks for uh, listening in. It's been Leafs Late Night, where it's never too late for the Leafs. We will catch you next time. Add to me. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Oh, my God. That was a good little short.